she may not. But now she knows that I know, and if she didn't know before, she knows now that that's not a good plan to buy a property near those wind turbines or to tolerate this stuff. You know, I, I don't know why people tolerate this. This is like alien technology all over the earth. These things are monstrous, monstrosities. So, yeah, we have to talk. We have to speak. We have to say what we know to as many people as possible to help shake them out of their mind control. This is very important. Now, Monica, I had you come back on because you had a very interesting experience just last week. I wonder if you'd share with my listeners what happened. Yes, I will. And just before I do that, though, I just want to take a half a minute to respond to what you just said about the wind turbines. Now, a number of years back, I would have been one of those people who would just say, yeah, wind turbines, they're the greatest, you know, we got to save the planet. But of course, that was before I got myself out of the matrix of lies and deceptions. And I agree with you, they are absolutely a blight in every which way on the landscape and they they are very dangerous they they kill a lot of stuff and their frequencies are are bad and they don't solve anything plus their their the premise is the the lie about climate change the global warming hoax which you know so we don't even have to go into that but i just wanted to make those comments following on what you you just told us but okay so what happened last week uh, eight days ago, September 1st, I had a little visit. It was the Hate Crimes Unit of the RCMP. That's the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. They came. They made a full day's drive to officers to, to talk to me. That's it. That was the purpose of their trip was to come see me in the interior of British Columbia. And they came from the Vancouver area. One day here, one day back, all the expenses that they would incur, gas, hotel, meals, all that stuff. Right. So, you know, Canadian people paid for that. And um, why did they do that? Well, they had a complaint an anonymous complaint. Of course, I could not get that out of them. Who is this complainer? Uh, so that could be anybody. And I know there are some serial complainants. In, yes. <laughs> in, yeah, right. Okay, that's kind of what they do, right? And um, who knows, they might even be paid for that because I think that's all they do all day is, is look for, you know, this kind of thing to see how they can put down people like us who speak truth. And the complaint was about the contents on, of the the website, the Truth and Justice for Germans Society website, which is truthandjusticefordgermans.com, all one word spelled out. So, um, yeah, I asked them to explain to me exactly where the hate was or the incitement to hate. Of course, they, they could not do that. Now, they came in an unmarked vehicle. They parked themselves in in my driveway and and just I was baking bread I had my hands in the dough and and there they were these two men I'd never seen before they identified themselves right away yeah so it was very interesting Janice um I mean I started out a little bit hot under the collar as you can imagine it's a bit of a shock to get this visit and 
they just wanted to talk and because of this complaint and they said yeah we could have phoned but you know we just want to see who you know give you the the basically they want to see that i don't have horns growing out of my head <laughs> in 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 other words um i guess i could have kicked them off the property right away but i decided i was going to um educate them and we spent two and a half hours talking i asked them a lot of questions too of course their answers were always very circular um it was a friendly conversation i educated them about how trials work and about various laws that none of these things make sense and i basically said you know you should probably seek a, a career change you're, you're very <laughs> yes <laughs> I mean, it, you know, during the course of the conversation, I learned that the younger one of them has a, a wee child at home, a, a, you know, a baby girl. And I said, you know, the best thing you can do for that child is never send her into public school system. And we, so we covered a lot of topics. We did talk about this whole LGBTQ agenda and, and the agenda to basically, um, you know, de uh, degenerate us and ruin us. So... I think I gave them a lot of food for thought. Wherever that goes with them, I don't know. Most people would probably say, oh, Monica, you shouldn't have talked to them at all. And in fact, some people did tell me, you know, the best thing to do is not to talk with them at all. I kind of took a page out of Alfred's book and talked to them, uh, assuming that they still might be human beings. I asked them if they were Jewish, no, that neither of them were, and I believe them. Um, you know, I so I was very direct about those kinds of things, and very direct about what's going on in our world. Now, okay, people might be listening and say, "Oh, you, you, you dumb idiot! You just indicted yourself. You gave them all kinds of, you know, um, stuff that they can use against you." Now. I wasn't recording it, and neither were they. I asked them that. I asked them, are you recording this? And they weren't taking notes either. It was basically a conversation outside my home. I never let them in the home, and they did not push their way in. That was not the purpose of their, their visit. They did not do a house raid or anything like that. So anyway, whatever does happen, and I was open about this too. I said, you know, if, if, if I do end up locked up or whatever, you guys are going to remember this conversation. And, and I, you know, you may wonder, like, how does it happen that somebody like me ends up in jail? And where, what about all the, the real criminals? You know, and I'm not saying I'm not putting any energy towards that, that I'm going to end up in jail. But I mean, I'm, it, it's not, um, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to think that that might be a possibility in the future of course it is for all of us right it's not uh, not something special for you know just any one of us i mean we're kind of all in a in a prison already and you know some people say oh you should stay low for a while and i say well what what benefit is that to whom who does that benefit i'm basically already out there with my face my name and my message and who am i uh, doing this for is it for me personally no you know it, there's no personal benefits you know the people who peddle the lies they are the ones who make lots of money and whatnot and when we talk about the truth it's not because we're getting rich off it right so sometimes people will make the, yeah right exactly you get it <laughs> Over to you for your comments or questions or whatever. I'll just pause for a moment. 
I have to laugh at the idea that we're getting rich off of trying to tell the truth. You know what? No, friends. Our friend, we are putting our asses on the line every day by putting the information out there, by trying to communicate to the world about what's actually going on, about what the Jews are, about what they're doing to people and to this earth, and, and including to Monica and Alfred. Okay, the, There's no benefit to this except that we are working for the Creator. The Creator benefits from our willingness to not be afraid of death. Not that, you know, I mean, everybody is at some level, but, you know, you have to move through it and say, okay, I'm going to do this anyway because the earth needs, the earth needs us. And the people of this earth need to wake the heck up. There's only one way for that to happen. It's for us to keep pounding the truth home as often and as much as possible. Go ahead, Monica. The stakes are high. And that is something that we need to really emphasize for those who are still thinking, well, if I keep my head low and I'll just get by. The stakes are so high that if we do not, you know, stop them, and that is, you know, stop our enemy from what they, their agenda is to utterly destroy us and basically, you know, kill us. So if we do not stop them, then what, What's this holding your head low or just kind of, you know, backing down a little bit or whatever? What's that going to accomplish? We we need to stop them. We have to stop them. We must stop them. And I think that every one of us who gains an understanding about what the stakes are need to go full at maximum power, whatever our abilities allow us to do. And it's going to be different for different people out there. So it's not going to be the same for everybody. You don't, you know, oh, what should I do? What should I do? Well, it is going to be different for everybody. But everybody can do something. And I would say everybody should really, uh, you know, do some deep soul searching and ask themselves, like, what can I do to the best of my ability? And one of the things, I do want to cover what has happened with Alfred, too, because I don't think we've yeah. talked since since that has happened. But just yeah. while we're on this, this uh, track here, there are things we can do. And just last night, I encountered... I met a woman, I'd never met her before, and I'm not going to say too much about the story, but I fully plan on getting her connected to some of the folks like yourself and others to talk with. She has won some major battles in terms of the resistance to all the stuff that went down in the last three years, and it was fantastic. Now, there's three words I want people to listen to. I don't know if these three words are going to have the same meaning as they do in Canada, but it's this thing in within our system our laws or whatever that of course they don't teach us in school but this is very very important those three words are duty to accommodate duty to accommodate do you have you ever heard of that janice well i did hear about this from somebody that's got a pma in canada yeah and what's a pma sorry she's got a a private membership association in canada okay yeah, she 
she drove right through one of these checkpoints. <laughs> and okay. You, is this the same woman that it, you were in touch it, with? It, it very well could be, yes. She's um, Christian? Yes. Yeah. So, okay, that's good. That's good. So, anyway, she did accomplish a lot just by uh, the fact that she knows about this obligation, this duty to accommodate. And, and then she also won in court. She never had to wear a mask anywhere ever. And, yes, she did succeed in driving through. She just quietly removed cone after cone right in front of their eyes, those who were having this road closure for a year already. I, and I don't even know right now what the purpose of that road closure was because it was uh, that was a while back, right? But anyway, she just removed the cones and just slowly drove through and kept on driving. And then, of course, there was all were all kinds of court cases, and and she she won basically. And there's the, the duty to accommodate. Now, I'm not going to get into it because I would not be able to articulate it clearly enough. And it just, you know, I, I'm going to uh, just leave it at that. And unless you want to add to that, and otherwise I'll go on to talk about what happened with Alfred. Well, let me let me say what I do know about yes. about what she did, and that is, she went into the court, and they wanted her to put a mask on, and she said, "No, nope, I can't wear a mask on the account of my religious beliefs, and you have a duty to accommodate me." <laughs> And to accommodate my religious beliefs. So, you know, cut to the chase. She was the only one in court not wearing a mask because they did have a duty to accommodate her. Everybody else is sitting there with their... Everybody else is such well-behaved sheep putting on their masks. And she was the only one in court that could proudly sit there and be who she is without acquiescing to... um, the dictates of this totally fake authority, you know, it, it's not legitimate. None of it is legitimate. Like, these guys come into your place, Monica, to talk with you. Who are these people? What are you doing here? Who are you to tell me what I can talk about? I'll tell you something about that that I've learned. I have this card in front of me, and under the name Corporal Corporal Elvis Musinovic, there's all these letters, and a friend of mine whose husband is a retired RCMP officer, she explained to me what these letters stand for. So the first three letters are NCO, that's a non-commissioned officer, then there's an I slash C, that's in charge, and then it says hate crimes. So non-commissioned officer in charge hate crimes, under that it says RCMP E division, major crimes section, okay? So... This non-commissioned officer, what what my friend explained to me was that um, some of the people who get into these kinds of positions, they've never been an officer on the road, like basically they they have never done actual policing duties. Um, I don't remember all the details of what my friend explained to me, but basically these people can rise to very high ranks. I hear the music.
homeowners? Are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. Attention, freedom-loving patriots. Are you ready to dive deep into the principles that founded our great nation? Join me, Peter Seraphine, and the Institute on the Constitution as we light the way to a brighter future with the Liberty Lighthouse Classroom. At liberty-lighthouse.com slash classroom, you'll find a treasure trove of online courses on the U.S. Constitution, carefully crafted to empower you with knowledge to defend your rights and liberty, whether you're a student, a history enthusiast, or just a concerned citizen. These courses are for you. Gain a comprehensive understanding of our Constitution's principles, the wisdom of our founding fathers, and how to apply them in today's world. As a special offer to our freedom-loving listeners of Republic Broadcasting Network, use coupon code RBN at checkout and get 20% discount on any course. Join the Liberty Lighthouse Classroom and be a part of the movement to uphold the values that have made our nation exceptional. Unleash the power of knowledge and protect what truly matters, our Constitution. Visit liberty-lighthouse.com slash classroom today. Don't miss this incredible opportunity. Use code RBN for 20% off. Together, we'll be the beacon of freedom our founding generation envisioned. Liberty Lighthouse Classroom. Illuminating minds, empowering patriots. For the first time since its inception, RBN is offering a limited opportunity to you, the listener, to join our quest. You will be provided an effective platform on both Internet and satellite broadcasting and also gain the opportunity to both share your creativity with our producers and voice your message with thousands of patriots. Interested? Call 800-724-2719, extension 3, for details. everybody let's just jump right back in monica what were you saying okay so (laughs) i think i was just um finishing up talking about these types of pseudo officers they seem to gain uh positions that are well they they look like they're powerful positions but who are they actually they you know it could be that this these officers have not done any actual policing work uh the one yes because he was not an rcmp member but working with the rcmp and i think he was from the um can't remember if it was new westminster police or surrey police but the other definitely rcmp but non-commissioned officer so there you go i think that i was done with that basically but i i did um i did follow up 
with a letter to them two days after their visit here because of the conversation that we had. And, of course, afterwards you think, oh, you know, there were some opportunities that I missed when they responded certain way to what I was telling them. And so I published that yesterday and it's on my Free Speech Monica website. So that's just freespeechmonica.com and my name is spelt with a K. And you can scroll past the beginning of that if you've already, you know, read that message, the email that I sent out to folks to tell about this visit from the Hate Crimes Unit, but then follows my letter to them. And I did put a lot of time into that letter. So, yeah, I I, I think it's not a bad letter. <laughs> I'd encourage people to go look at that. And, um, and the, purpose, the purpose of the letter was? Well, okay, so I'll just summarize here. I was telling them, for example, about what was said at the end of the Ernst Zundel trial in Germany in 2007, how the judge said it does not matter if the Holocaust happened or not. What matters here is that it's against the law to dispute it or question it, or, and you broke the law, okay? And then they right away said something, oh, this is, this is Canada here, like in, implying, well, that doesn't happen here. What I neglected to tell them, and this is just one of the things that I said in my letter to them, is that what did the judge say at the end of Ernst Zundel's earlier trial in 1988, I believe it was the 88 trial, um, in Toronto, Canada, the judge there said that a truth is no defense. Now, he may, might have said it in slightly longer, like truth is not a line of defense in this case. And that became quite a famous or infamous statement by a judge to say in a court, truth yeah. is no defense, right? So mm -hmm. this is indeed Canada. And the other thing that I wanted to add to, you know, our conversation that we had, I ha we were talking about how in Florida now it's illegal to do pamphleteering. And um, then they all, again, this, well, this is Canada, that wouldn't happen here. Well, I just think that the very existence of a hate crimes unit is very much like that law. It's, it just different, takes a different form. But, you know, we, we aren't allowed to think a certain way or say certain things or, or the hate crime unit, come, the hate squad comes after us, right? So it is very much that way here in Canada and even... I would argue we're even more communist than than many places. So um, at that, and I added a few things. I, I gave them the Sefton Delmer quote, and I really emphasized what what the significance of the, that Sefton Delmer quote is. You're familiar with that, the one about. I'm not. I'm not. We do have a caller, but what is the significance of that quote? Um, do you want to take the caller, and I'll pull it up on my screen so that I can actually read it. All right. Chance, what would you like to say? Hello? Hi, we don't have a bunch of time, but what do you want to say? Yes. Hello, Denise. Hello, Miss Monica. Miss Monica, first off, I want to ask you, how is Alfred? We're going to talk about that after the break. Okay. Well, Miss Monica, i got to strongly disagree with you about one thing. Uh, me, personally... I wouldn't talk to these people, much less invite them in my house. After all they put you and Alfred through, I would politely decline because from what I see going on, these people will just as soon as shoot you or arrest you and say they're just doing their job. And that's the risk you take when you deal with these type of people. Uh, your response? 
Yeah, okay, first of all, I did not have them in my home. I I did not have them in my home, nor was mm-hmm. I going to have them in my home. Um, and, yeah, that's fine. I take your point. Many people feel that way. I chose to act differently. I chose to talk to them as a human would talk to a human. Yeah, but they're not and human, Miss Monica. Doing what they're doing. What's do, that? Do. They're not human. Doing what they do to people, I don't consider them human, see? I th- it, you know, there's a possibility that these guys are very misguided right. and that maybe they have some learning to do. They, the one guy was quite young, you know, and um, I don't know. Sure, fine, no problem. I, I accept your your critique of my actions. That's fine. Many people feel the same. I, that's fine. We can move on from that. But, to, um, you know. I would like to and say that in the Ringing Cedars books, it's very interesting when she's talking to these evil people who are trying to literally capture her mm-hmm. and put her in a prison of their making, right? She speaks to only the part of them that is the good, as if this other part doesn't exist, literally, which is kind of what you did, Monica, without doing exactly that consciously. Well, I would argue that maybe it was conscious. <laughs> yeah, we'll be right back after the break. are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back, uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it, and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. Hello, hello, hello from beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Jung Kay, and I am currently the lead Shilajee hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shilajee Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shilajee as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilaji by other names. Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shilaji literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shilaji has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. 
Look for the Gold Mountain and Medical Symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3DBunkers.com for more details or visit 3DBunkers.com. Everybody can hear me now. <laughs> Welcome back. Okay, I guess Chance dropped off. Chance, thanks for your commentary. Um, Monica, you uh, wanted to talk about some quote by who? Yeah, by Sefton Delmer. But just to finish, you know, if Chance, if you're listening, like, thank you for your comments. I, I appreciate it. Many people feel the same as you do. But I just want to say I did what I did. I have no regrets about what I did. And I, I still stand by that i would do the same again but thank you i i appreciate your comments okay so sefton delmer he was the british chief of black propaganda during world war ii here is what mr delmer said after the german surrender in 1945 in conversation with a german professor of international law dr friedrich grimm Atrocity propaganda is how we won the war, and we're only really beginning with it now. We will continue this atrocity propaganda. We will escalate it until nobody will accept even a good word from the Germans, until all the sympathy they may still have abroad will have been destroyed, and they themselves will be so confused that they will no longer know what they are doing. Once that has been achieved... Once they begin to run down their own country and their own people, not reluctantly, but with eagerness to please the victors, only then will our victory be complete. It will never be final. Re-education needs careful tending, like an English lawn. Even one moment of negligence and the weeds crop up again. Those indestructible weeds of historical truth. End of quote. Who is this person? That was, he was a a British chief of black propaganda. He was in the government. In other words, he was, uh, you know, masterminding all kinds of atrocity propaganda. That means lies and stories. 
atrocity propaganda is how we won the war. That was the first statement. And then you know, we're only really beginning with it now. And so when I wrote that in the letter to them, I then emphasized it by asking them to read and reread that several times. And then I took out a few words like, you know, atrocity propaganda. And then we're just beginning with it now. Then we're going to escalate it, right? And then um, this, um, the, the, the part about needing careful tending, even one moment of negligence and the weeds crop up again, those indestructible weeds of historical truth. And indeed, the historical truth is indestructible. The truth is the truth is the truth. It will always win out. And then I finished by saying, I am glad I am on the winning side. <laughs> so that was, yeah, I mean, yeah we, anyway. We are indestructible weeds too, aren't we? Because we, yeah. <laughs> we just keep coming back, don't we? They try to kill us. And sometimes they can kill our bodies. They can succeed in doing that. But we're just going to keep coming back until the earth is freed of every single ounce of evil, every bit of it. And, of yes. course, we have to deal with it within ourselves, too, because a lot of us are involved in evil without without recognizing it, but we are, and so we've got to deal with it. But that guy sure sounds Jewish to me. He doesn't sound British at all. Sounds yeah, like uh, maybe some of your listeners will be able to uh, confirm that. I, I can't off the top of my head remember now. I'm, I'm sure I knew at one time whether he was or not Jewish, but I'm sure that one of your listeners will call in right away and let us know. But anyway, I do want to, before the hour goes, my goodness, tell you what has happened to Alfred. Now, maybe most of your listeners know already he's he did get picked up and is put back in jail. And that is as of the 23rd of August. It Basically, he had um, three weeks of... Um, extra time I guess to do some yard work and get some wood put up for for you know firewood for heating the home for the winter and and so he was very happy with that because the reason he had those extra three weeks he was supposed to show up at a certain jail on August 3rd and he had a six-month sentence that was a, a final verdict for doing that certain forbidden gesture the straight arm gesture which you know, is known as the Roman salute, but it's now, you know, the guard was shouting at him, oh, Herr Schäfer, Hitler salute, something about that, after which the the buddy in the courtyard in jail were talking, we're not even talking about out in the in the public square in the middle of the, the city, we're talking about in the courtyard in jail. Anyway, Alfred's buddy said, oh, no, 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 he's just showing me how high his dog Pavlov can jump, <laughs> that old, that that wonderful meme that Alfred has used for describing, you know, what he's doing with his straight arm gesture there. And we all know who Pavlov was and, and the conditioning, you know, he was the one who did those experiments, conditioning dogs to drool at the sound of a bell. Okay, so this is what, what that's about. But he is in jail for six months for that. Now, he didn't go voluntarily because he felt that that was like... That would be a traitorous thing to do, like just show up at the, the enemy gate and say, here I am, take me as your prisoner of war. So yeah. he basically made no secret of the fact that he was 
just going to carry on living and he was home. It's not like he was running away either. And he knew that, okay, at one of these days or weeks or months at any time, the, the Stasi, you know, Bolsheviki Cheka or whatever you want to call them, the, the pickup service will come for him. And that's what they did on the 23rd of August. He is now in jail. And the address is posted on both of the websites, mine, Mona, uh, freespeechmonica.com, on their political prisoners page, also a recent article about Alfred, and on the Truth and Justice for Germans website. So you can find his address quite easily. And I encourage people to write letters to the prisoners of war, the political prisoners, because it's not only a very encouraging and good for the prisoner of war, i.e., in this case, Alfred, to receive this, and, you know, it's it, it lifts the spirits, and it, it's just very encouraging, but it also is very good for all the so-called authorities along the way who, who whose hands this letter passes through before it reaches Alfred, for them to see that he is not forgotten. And so that's a, I would yeah. say that's an important thing. Yeah, so if you have it in your in your schedule that you could just drop Alfred a letter. I think that's really important to do. I know when you were had been arrested, I wanted to, um, I did write to you a couple of yes, times. Yes, you did. And it was, I very much appreciated that. And just to the, the folks listening to this, it doesn't have to be anything long. It doesn't have to be anything deep or philosophical. You can just say hello, you know, or whatever. You could just make a brief message you can write a postcard too. Now, I did receive postcards which were without a return address. Then I heard that perhaps there's a possibility that there needs to be a return address, but I don't think so. That might be the case in American prisons. Like, I know that um, for Matt Hale, by the way, he is receiving mail again. Uh, That's just an aside. I just thought of that. I should throw that out there if people are familiar with matt hale's case he's been in prison for 20 years and is supposed to be in for another 20 years a 40 year sentence but anyway he they they cut off his mail for months and months and months and months i haven't heard back from him yet since i've written but um my understanding of it is that he is receiving mail again Okay, but there has to be a return address in that case. Now in Germany, I'm not sure, but yeah, if if, just put a return address on, it's better. But you can just make a brief postcard or a card or a letter is also good. Anything, but yeah. What are they going to start arresting people for sending for sending mail to people that are in jail? I mean, I don't know. Many people are afraid, you know, there are many people who are so afraid, but again, shed your fear, folks, because the the stakes are high, we have to really go all out, drop your fears, Um, yeah, okay. I gotta gotta say that I recently had a process through a lot of fear, I wrote a blog about Maui, about what they just did to Maui. And this is a very hard-hitting blog on the Jews. Because what I did is I immediately went to the Jewish sources to see what the Jews were saying to each other about what happened on Maui. And I took their words and put them in the blog so that people can see how they think, what they say, especially when they don't think we're looking 
They think they're communicating just with each other in general. I mean, everything's in code when they make something public. But I, I, I wrote the blog and I sent it to a friend. Now, this friend has a very you know well-known website. He's interviewed me numerous times. And he read the blog and he was like, wow, I don't know if we're going to be able to post that. Like he went into a tremendous amount of fear. Even thinking about sharing what I wrote, which made me go into fear. Like, oh my God, you know. The last time I put out such a hard-hitting blog was when um, the Florida shooting happened in Parkland with, you know, Sheriff Israel. And I mean, all this stuff was going on with the Parkland shooting that didn't happen. And, you know, the victims are in Holocaust class when it happened. All of this stuff, just the ridiculousness of the Florida shooting and how clearly this was a false flag um, created by the Jews. And, of course, at that time, they took down my whole blog. You know, my Facebook accounts were deleted, Twitter gone, YouTube channels gone, Vimeo channels gone, everything. PayPal deleted, Google deleted. They got really pissed at what I did. So that was my concern somewhat that that they're going to do something again because of what I wrote about Maui. It's so clear to me how they orchestrated that event and how they're talking about it to each other to the extent that and I wrote this in the blog at the, at the very end of the blog they were talking about a, an Israeli Jew with the first name I-D-O I do okay and the last name Sarfati S-A-R-F-A-T-I and I knew the whole the whole article was in code. So I said, Janice, look up the meaning of the word Sephardi in Hebrew. And it Google Translate said, Did you mean such and such? It gave me this little Hebrew word. So I clicked on the Hebrew word, and that word means I burn. So wow. this, this man the name they were using for this man is I Do Burn. Okay? Well, yeah. And what was, who was this man, sorry? Was he one of the... He's allegedly an Israeli um, that owned seven businesses in Lahaina that burned to the ground. Oh, my. Of course, it's total nonsense. Because in the article, they're talking about how um, he's not really concerned. You know, his greatest emotion right now is about rebuilding. Really? You lose seven businesses, you lose a bulk of your income, and you're thinking about, you know, rebuilding? That's your feeling at this time of devastation of an entire area? Some 2,000 kids missing, not to mention their parents, blown to smithereens, and all this, all this kike's thinking about is rebuilding like every other kike. Well, the Jews are being airlifted off the island. Literally thousands of Jews on Maui, 3,000 Jews, and not a single one was harmed. 
according to their article. Not a single Jew was harmed. Kind of remind, sorry, just reminds me of the Odigo call on 9-11, you know, the Jew call. Don't show up at work. Because I put that in there. Oh. It is. It's reminiscent of 9-11 when they all got the call not to go to work that day. It's the same thing, only this time they were literally airlifting Jews off the island, taking them over to Honolulu. Wow. And and meanwhile, they were blocking other people from getting out. I mean, yeah. 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 You know, my thought about that, and again, the blog is very important. I don't give out my blog address publicly. People have to find the blog. I encourage people to email me privately if you'd like a link to read my blog on the Maui fires. Because nobody is talking about it. Nobody's talking about the fact that it's the flipping Jews. I was going to say something before that, and I totally lost my train of well, thought. Well, while you're looking for your tra- your thought, yeah. um, just as I'm looking out uh, at a beautiful, beautiful blue sky, but just now there has been a line drawn across that sky. Just one big chemtrail has just been, the, you know, laid down on that on that beautiful blue sky. And it's all related to what we're talking about because they have been manipulating the weather and they have been doing the directed energy weapons and they have been doing that all over Canada as well as they have been doing elsewhere. And I do remember a number of months back, I saw a clip of Klaus Schwab spouting off how the next one will be the climate emergency. So... This is, you know, all created. It is just so obvious. I don't know if you've heard about and seen information about the blue, the the blue roofs or the blue anything that was blue, like blue roofs. Yes. They didn't burn, so it was a certain frequency. And then, in in one of these videos that I watched, this frequency of that blue was six six six, and that was the the color that was somehow protective because the frequency they used in the laser energy weapons was uh, not burning up that blue. So apparently some of these rich folks or Jews or some of them, you know, painted their roofs blue or they just had blue roofs. Yeah, I did see a number of anomalies where the blue cars didn't get torched, even though all the other cars around them um, were torched. I don't know what that noise is in the background. A pile of blue shirts, you know, that didn't get burned. And there was, a, there was a few things in videos that I was like, wow, there must be something to this blue. Um, I, I remember what I was going to say before the, about the cars where everybody was trapped. They wouldn't let the people leave. And my feeling is that I'm not, I think their lasers are part of what they used, but I also think the cars have a tremendous amount of smart technology. The boats have smart meters and other smart technology placed on them. Definitely the houses have smart meters, and I'm convinced that these technologies were used um, to blow specific locations and to leave other locations intact. And In terms of trapping all the cars, I tend to think that 
They didn't want cars blowing up all over the island. They wanted them all in one area so that they wouldn't, there wouldn't be a lot of questions. That's what I think, why they were trapping people. They want to kill people also, obviously, as many people as possible in one fell swoop. But they didn't want cars blowing up all over the place. And if those cars had been targeted as, as they're going to get blown up, they wanted to trap them right where they were so it could be blamed on quote-unquote climate change. So people need to understand the technology because this is, um, I don't think it's all lasers. They, you know, we, they, they couldn't have shot that many lasers. The lasers could probably trigger certain things to blow. But to direct hit, you know, we're talking about direct energy weapons. To direct hit thousands of buildings and cars and boats. Okay, I think something else was going on. Yes, it's all microwave technology. And the other, I think they're using what's in the cars. I think they're using what's in the houses. I think they're using what's in the boats to blow these things. And all it takes is basically the push of a button, once it's all programmed in, which things are going to blow. Okay, lasers are part of it, maybe, probably. But it's not the whole story, folks. So all the smart stuff has to go. The other thing is I got information the other day regarding the ultrasound, and this hadn't dawned on me, even though I've written a flipping book about ultrasound and that they're using it for mind control. Obviously, your phone has apps that run on ultrasound, and they are using the ultrasonic waves to entrain people's brains to the Luciferian realm. Okay, they wow, I, did, I didn't know that, 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 that ultrasound frequencies are how these apps operate. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. They all are ultrasonic. Mm-hmm. Your your smoke detectors are ultrasonic. Okay, basically every device that you use that's over, I think it's, I forgot, some kilohertz, some kilohertz range. Once you go over that range, you're in the ultrasonic range. So every single radio frequency and microwave and millimeter wave is in the ultrasonic range. They've tried to separate these two things as if they're not connected. But ultrasound is intimately related to microwaves. You really can't separate one from the other because every microwave is in the ultrasonic range. Right. We're talking billions and we're talking millions and billions of hertz when we're talking microwaves. It's a huge thing. Paul, what do you want to say? Yeah, just quickly, like, I love your show. I have a lot of respect for basically who you are and what you say, but there's there's some scientific and technical misinformation here you're talking about. So ultrasound, sound is a pressure wave, okay, a pressure wave. Electronic frequencies are not. Electromagnetic spectrum is completely different from ultrasound. So the two are not connected or not related. We can talk about it later, but I wanted to make that correct. I really encourage you to read my book because I know that's the line that the scientific community is putting out. I am telling you 
that these these frequencies operate hand in hand. They cannot be separated. Every single microwave frequency is in the ultrasonic range. You cannot get away from Okay, every, this is partly why people can hear the microwaves. People that are sensitive well, can also hear ultrasound. Okay. There, there's, there's, things that go to, there's things it's that go nonsense. together and there's things that get conflated. So you're conflating separate things. I don't disagree with a lot of what you're saying. I'll just leave it at that for now. But thank you for what you do, Janice. Please read my book, my ultrasound book. Because even well, the machines, even the machines that they use for ultrasound, obviously, are putting EMF. You well, cannot yeah, operate they're, they're, they're without electromagnetic. Is, I know, I know. Ultrasound is a pressure wave, though it's not the same as electromagnetic. I, I, you know how they create ultrasound? Out. Do you know how they create ultrasound? I'm going to tell you right Go now, because this needs to Go be ahead. put to rest. Okay, they take a crystal, a quartz crystal, let's say, and they hammer it with alternating electrical currents. Right. Okay? And then these currents cause the crystal to morph and deform and expand and contract as the crystal is screaming, as it's being electrically tortured. Right. That's well, one, 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 pheno- one phenomenon can be used to produce or stimulate another. That's, not, that's nothing novel. But they are separate. Uh, that's again. I'll, we can talk more about it later. I'll, I'll take a look at. Well, I'd like to finish, and I encourage you to read my book. Go ahead. Okay. As okay. the crystals are morphing and deforming, what happens is there's atoms in the crystals that become electrically imbalanced, meaning the electrons are pushed out of the atoms. Either they're pushed out of their orbit out of the atoms entirely okay and those atoms they're out of time shit I'm telling Sorry. you folks there is no way that ultrasound is not electromagnetic these are definitely you can't have one without the other you wouldn't have ultrasound without the electrical the electrical grid that's alright we'll be back next week Monica thank you thank you Thanks. It was great discussion. Bye. Bye. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com. 
or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 